Welcome to MLR Kickoff, Episode 20, with your hosts, Dan Power and Pete Steinberg. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Episode 20. We have an absolute bumper show for you today as well, as we will go in-depth to Round 3 of the MLR action. We'll talk to JP Eloff, our Player of the Week, and then we'll preview all four games this week. But more importantly, we welcome back the prodigal son himself, Pete Steinberg. He has returned from his walkabout around the globe, and he will join us right now with the travel tip of the week. Pete, great to have you back, champion. Thank you so much. Um, I, I am back, and uh, <coughs> excuse me, I am a little sick. Uh, managed to pick up the flu when I was in the UK. So a travel tip for when you go. Um, I really struggled with uh, jet lag last week when I was in the UK, kept waking up at one o'clock in the morning, wide awake. And so lots of people talk about melatonin. And melatonin is a really good way of helping you go back to sleep. But there is another supplement you can take, which is called ZMA. And I think it's zinc magnesium aspinate and ZMA helps you sleep more deeply. So for those of us that are traveling around the world, um, people that are uh, really into getting over the jet lag travel with melatonin and ZMA. I've used both those with much success. Also, uh, if you can get your hands on Ambien, that's a uh, <laughs> prescription <laughs> well, only works quite well as well, but Glad to have you back on board, my friend. And it is uh, it was a big week in Major League Rugby. Some big results that came down the pipe. And we kicked things off on Friday night in Austin, which is becoming pretty much a routine. Uh, I believe they've got a Saturday night game this week just to change things up. But unfortunately for Austin, that routine stayed true in terms of their outcome in the game. And they went down to Toronto Arrows, who got their first victory in Major League Rugby, 23 points to 19. Pete, I would have to say this was quite a dour affair. Yeah, it wasn't a great game. Um, I think there were uh, 29 penalties in the game, which is really high. I mean, I think as a referee, (coughs) um, you're looking to get somewhere between 15 and 20, probably for Major League Rugby games. So I think for Henri Corbier, the referee really struggled. Um, You know, Austin, you know, they haven't made a strong start. They're getting these home games and, you know, they they had a significant edge over the arrows in both possession and territory with over 60% of both. But they really, really struggled in the scrum. And um, it was in the scrum where they conceded a bunch of penalties and lost a number of great attacking positions i don't i don't know what to make about of austin i've there's rumors that there's more players still to come in and join them and there's certainly there's been significant turnover from last year dan and i wonder if we're seeing a new team that's struggling to bed in their new players yeah i'm not too sure what's going on down there but you look at those stats pitch you mentioned that the possession and territory I wouldn't imagine there would be too many games of professional rugby played where a side had those statistics in their favor and still lost, especially at home too. So I'm not sure what's going on in uh, the state of uh, state capital of Texas, but let's hope they can get that figured out. And it really does seem to be an attacking issue. Uh, their tries, I'm not sure if I'm correct, Pete. Maybe you can you can. Uh, Correct me on this. I think they've only scored two tries in three games. I think that's right, Dan. I think that's right. Um, so I think the um, you, you know. So I think I think for Austin, like I said, there's been significant turnover. <coughs> They're still betting in some of their new players, and hopefully, we'll see see them grow. And I think for Toronto, I mean, they've got to be pretty happy. They've been competitive in both of their games. Um, you know, they they're on this. Uh, you know, eight away games on the trot. They they were coming off a bye week, so I think that helps them. But um, you know, they'll be happy just to pick up some you know some wins and some bonus points, and then really look to play their best when they head back to um, Toronto after their first after the first half of the season. You know, last season, Pete, if you you think if you start zero and three it's pretty much a write-off because the season was so short, but we do have a much longer season. So it's not over for Austin yet. So Austin fans tuning in, definitely uh, 
don't uh, don't turn the light off just yet. There is a chance they can come back, but it will dictate. Uh, sorry, it will be dictated by their ability to win on the road. You would think late in the year. Yeah, I think so, and I think that's the real challenge for them. Is it's going to be a um, a big challenge once they end up uh, um, doing the away games. I mean, these are the games they want to take advantage of being able to train outside against the northern teams. <coughs> Excuse me. A lot of really, um, uh, you know, advantages that they have that they're just not using. So it's going to really take some some turning around. But you know, they've got some of these, um, uh, you know, South Americans like um, Rodrigo Silva. I mean, these are some quality players that I think if they can, I, I think this is much more about getting this team to play together than it is, and and, and just trying to Im- embed these new players than. Than anything else, and that is a place where Toronto really has an advantage. These guys have, have played together um, a lot, and you know, one of the things I want to call out Toronto, and it's been a real feature, I think, is the um, the work rate of tight head props. We're really seeing tight head props make a huge impact. And uh, um, Morgan Mitchell had nine ball carries for forty six meters as a tight head prop in the game. Um, a couple of tackle breaks. And he made 21 tackles. I mean, that's phenomenal from the tight head prop. And we're seeing that because everyone knows they need quality tight heads. And so they're going out and finding players that can really do that. And I thought Morgan Mitchell really was a stellar in that game. Yeah, Morgan Mitchell, what a start to the season he's had. Uh, Really excited to see his development over the next few weeks here. But uh, moving on to... Saturday night, we uh, traveled down to San Diego, uh, much drier this time, San Diego. But the result, as you remember last year, Pete, this game, this was the heartbreaker for the Houston Sabercats as they lost in the last play of the game. Well, they went a little better this year. They lost with about a minute left instead of the very last play, but the result was the same. <coughs> uh, Nate Augsburger try in the corner, sealed the deal at the death. And the Legion, they snuck home uh, at the very end there, 17 to 13 over the Sabercats. And, uh, Pete, I'm not sure how much of this game uh, you were able to take in on the road, but, again, very, very different style of game from both these sides that you would have expected. I thought the score would have been a lot higher. Yeah, I think so. It was um, it was a really interesting game. Again, I'm, I'm not sure that it was um, – uh, I'm not sure that it was, the, the game was a – as high a quality as I think that we've seen um, from some of these teams, I think particularly from, from the Legion, but it was a heartbreaker for the Sabercats. You know, they, they've, they've, they've again sort of, you know, they controlled much of this game. They had a lot of possession. Um, They had uh, more attacking opportunities, but you know, they, they just weren't able to, um, you know, take advantage of the uh, um, the set piece dominance they had. I mean, they really forced um, uh, San Diego. They San Diego really struggled in the lineout and they struggled in the scrum. And you're just looking. You're saying, you know, is this going to be another story of the SaberCats of playing well? And you know, when with with it was Vici right that, that scored at the um, at the start. And you know, with a, you, you just thought this was going to be their game and. They're just not able to be consistent, and it's, I think, really disappointing. Yeah, it was good to see Joshua Vithi back on the field too. He made a massive difference to that uh, Sabercats back line. And Kalina Sao waiting in the wings. He'll be back shortly as well. Again, not uh, much of a worry. I just look at that roster. I think when they get Arada back, um, you know, you I and think, I have yeah, been I, yeah, pretty I, critical of yeah. uh, Connor Murphy, but he had a box kick late in the game that basically gifted possession back to San Diego when they were, uh, they were in front. So uh, they just looked a lot better with a rider at nine. We'll they certainly play faster. They certainly mm-hmm. play faster with a rider at nine. And, and um, I do remember that, um, that, that box kick and, you know, it's, it's just one of those things that, um, you know, that's all you have to do is hold on to the ball and, you know, being able to hold on to the ball now for, teams for these quality teams in major league rugby for 20 phases playing slowly could have taken them to the end and um you know it's just it's it's it, it, it's just disappointing because i 
you know, you you can just see the potential in moments with Houston, but they're just not not quite full, fulfilling it. And <clears throat> you know, I think that Rob Hoadley from the Legion is going to feel like they they got away with one here. They got away with one where they you know didn't play um, as well as they would have liked. Um, again, turnovers at the breakdown is a problem for them, um, and you know their accuracy in the first half really wasn't good enough. And I you know Rob mentioned that to Stacey Pates at halftime. But it was the same thing he said in week um, in week two. Um, and, and so, you know, that's obviously going to be a big focus. So I think everyone sees the potential in San Diego. And I think a lot of people are tipping them to be in the playoffs. But they're going to have to be a little bit more consistent um, in, in how they play um, going on into the season. Yet again, uh, you know, this is they, they need to win these games because they're, um, they're going to have to start traveling in the second half of the season a lot more than they do in the first half. Yeah, I've got to tip my hat to Joe Peterson, who was outstanding again, the fly half for the Legion. Uh, ran for over 87 metres, two line breaks, uh, none more important than the last one that set up Nate Augsburger for the match winner. But, uh, you know, Joe's not on young legs anymore, and that's not a knock on him. He's an outstanding player. They're going to have to manage uh, his minutes too going forward. I don't know if they want to grind him through an entire season because uh, he's attacking creativity. As you know, when you, you have those creative players and they start getting into the grind of the season, it gets a little monotonous. They can lose some of that creativity and that spark. So dealing with uh, Peterson's workload throughout the year is definitely going to be something they're going to have to watch. You've got Rogers and Anosa waiting in the wings. Uh, but I think Rob Hoadley's a smart guy and he'll he'll do that. But another great performance from Peterson, especially at the death, to, to pull out the win there when it didn't really look like they were going to uh, have much go their way that night. Yeah, I love watching Joe Peterson play, but I'm with you. I think that this is going to be a long season for, for some of these guys. And, you know, um, I I did um, their round two game when he got knocked out and um, Enosa came in. And, and the real challenge they have is they missed, you know, Ty's wonderful player and they can still play their wide open game. but they really miss the tactical nous and the kicking game when Peterson's out. So it'll be interesting to see um, what Rob might, Rob Hoadley might do to manage that if um, when they finally have to rest Joe. And Pete, uh, I'm not sure if you got a chance to see any of the Six Nations, but J.K. Rowling made an appearance at the Scotland game at Murrayfield. Well, you know what? Scotland may have J.K. Rowling, but the San Diego Legion, they're not short of celebrities either as Craig Robinson made an appearance at the Legion game. That's right, Craig Robinson, who played Daryl in the office, Pineapple Express champion, uh, Hot Tub Time Machine, should have won an Oscar. What a movie that was. That's one of my (laughs) go-tos of all time. He was pretty good in this in the end as well, and a couple other movies that uh, we would lose our PG rating on this podcast if I talked about. But how good is that seeing Craig Robinson pop out to a Legion game? We've got John Goodman down at NOLA. And we've got Craig Robinson now. All the other teams, let's uh, let's get your act together. Let's get some celebrities out there. Make it a uh, the in thing to do. Well, I mean, I'm excited once Rooney starts playing home games because I think that we're going to see a lot of people come out. You know, I'm... Um, there are a lot of silent rugby fans that are out there, and I, there's definitely um, more than our fair share of celebrities that follow rugby. So the more that we can leverage them as influencers and get the word out, the better. But, you know, I, I like what the Legion is doing. I, I like the path that they're on. And I'm sure we're going to see more and more people turn up at their games as the Southern California team. Yeah, I want to see Kerry Bradshaw come out to a Rooney game with the whole crew, Samantha, Charlotte, uh, Miranda, all of them. I want to see all four out at the, the next Rooney home game. Do you know who I'm talking about? Um, who are you talking about? Sex in the City. Of course I know who you're talking about. New York's about. greatest show. You're a married man. You know that. You know that. You're playing coy on me. I was Making me coy. look like the... Uh, yeah, but I'm yeah. glad. I'm, you know, you... Um, please feel, feel free to share um, any more of your Sex in the City stories with our podcast um, listeners. Great show. <laughs> Great show. It's a great show. All right, let's uh, let's refocus here. Get back to rugby. Uh, the big game was on Sunday. It was down in New Orleans, Gold Stadium, and New Orleans. Well, they're the real deal, aren't they? They beat the runners up, Glendale Raptors, and then the champs come to town, coming off a loss, and they took care of the Seattle SeaWolves, forty-one 
31. And, Pete, this was, in my opinion, hands down, game of the round. Oh, no doubt. I mean, I think the quality of this game was was really high. And I thought the Seawolves showed a lot of character to, to bring this game back um, when it looked like Nola were going to pull away. But, you know, I, I, I it was a really, really great game. And um, just back and forth, fun to watch. Crowd got in it. I mean, you know, it was it, absolutely the uh, the game of the weekend. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to when these two lock horns again because I think once they go up to Seattle, uh, you know, it's going to be a different uh, different setup up there for Nola Gold on the road. And, you know, there's a lot of hype around Rooney and rightfully so, but that could have been a championship preview right there this weekend. I think so. I mean, I mean, Nola have been, you know, they've started strong. I mean, we've talked about you don't have to... Um, you know, you, you can start 0-3 and, and still make the playoffs. Well, you can start 3-0 and 0 and still make the playoffs. But it looks to me that, you know, NOLA have, have if they stay healthy, um, and I think they've got more depth. I mean, you know, they I think they have more depth than they had um, last year. And so even if they're not healthy, I think that's um, that's good. But, uh, you know, if they, I think they can afford to have a couple of injuries. But I just love the way they play. I mean, I think Nate Osborne, you saw it last year. You saw their structures and they just weren't able to pull it off. And, you know, Tristan blew it. Man, that guy, that guy can play some rugby. Um, yeah. He's, yeah, he he's, can. Uh, he's an impressive guy. Um, and, I, and I thought Nick Feek started. I mean, it was a good game. There's some chippiness, right, in this game. Um, and, you know, I think uh, um, Nick Feeks and, and Ben Seema got into it a little bit. And I think, uh, um, you know, I think that's a, you know, when when top teams play each other and you know the games mean something, that's what you get. And so I like seeing a little bit of the pushing and shoving that that goes on. Yeah, as long as it's uh, it doesn't get too, you know, it doesn't get too over the top. I'm okay with it. I'm. It's a part of the game. There is that the sledging for for lack of a better word. You know that mental part of the game. And here you've got two young fly halves and. You know, Ben Simo, who kind of got crowned as the next big thing. And, you know, Nick Feeks, I'm not sure on his eligibility, but I know he spent some time at Lindenwood and seven specialists. He gets his first start in the absence of Scott Gale. And, you know, he, I thought he was pretty solid uh, for, for a first game and uh, defended really well at 10. And you can, you can tell, and I'm, I'm sure you saw this a lot in your coaching days, Pete, but young fly halves always seem a step behind a season fly half in terms of their ability to um, not only replay, but to execute play. Absolutely. Uh, You'll often see they'll pass too early um, for, you know, fear of things breaking down and sometimes too late. They get a little too aggressive at the line, especially when they panic, the more physical fly halves, they'll panic and they go to the line and then it's, it's, it's just a chaos. It's either a, a very pressured pass, or they put their runners in a very pressured situation. So I saw that a little bit with Feeks. Nothing to concern Nate Osborne or, or anyone in Nola to not trust him in the 10 jersey again, but uh, definitely uh, definitely adds that depth that you talked about, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. Gail misses out. He's got, you've got Feeks there. But, you know, I think what Nola does a really good job of is that um, they use GP, JP Eloff coming in from full fullback playing first receiver and you saw how dangerous he was on the blind side and it's a real advantage they have of being able to have basically two fly halves playing and um jp eloff twice was able to come down the blind side and leverage a mismatch where he's matched up against the forward and that's something that nola gold's opponents are going to have to look for in the future and recognize that where normally you know when you come from a set piece play all of your backs will kind of continue to the far side and you actually leave your tight fight forwards on the near side. JP Eloff has the feet to be able to expose that and exposed it against, against Seattle. I mean, I thought Seattle, you know, sort of an interesting game for them. I'm sure it was quite frustrating for Richie Walker. I thought that they um, played in moments, some really good stuff, but they, their defense wasn't as strong as it has been. And I think part of that is that um, uh, Nola were able to play quickly. And, um, you know, of course, missing um, Billy and missing um, Shermer, so two of their key back row forwards, I don't think they were able to slow the ball down. 
of the NOLA gold like they have been. And that's always been a key of the seawall. And then the other thing that kind of stood out, <coughs> excuse me, the other thing that sort of stood out for me was that they really struggled in the kicking game. Ben Seema has a good foot, but, you know, um, in the second half in particular, when they came back, they would score. Um, Nola Gold would kick deep and their exit sets just weren't strong enough. And it just gave Nola another attacking position inside the Seawolves half. And so that's going to be some of the stuff that I think Richie Walker's going to have to deal with, kind of long-term challenges about, you know, how do we exit our half? How do we leverage the fact, I mean, they don't have strong kickers on their team. They have great runners, but not strong strong kickers in their back line um, outside of Ben Seymour. And so how are you going to manufacture and put pressure on a defense to be able to exit with a run, pass, um, or kick option? And that's what Nola Gold did really well with J.P. Eloff. He gets the ball, and he can kick it, he can run it, or he can pass it. And when he attacked that blind side, and that I think actually um, – I think at least one of those times when he made the break was from a kickoff. Um, being able to have those sorts of exits are really powerful. Yeah, agree, Pete. Very, very smart words right there. And uh, Seattle fans, no need to panic. I think you may have actually run into one of the, the strongest sides in the league at home, uh, both missing some players. So that's one to keep an eye on. I think Seawolves Nola is going to be a great battler throughout the year. But we have talked a lot about JP Eloff, and he was voted player of the week. And I had a chance to sit down with JP and talk to the man about not only the weekend's game, but things coming up and what he thinks of his uh, rival fullback for this weekend. And that is right. We are joined by none other than Nola Gold fullback JP Eloff, who has earned player of the week honors this week for week three in Major League Rugby. JP, thanks for joining us, champion. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Now, JP, first, let's just talk about the 3-0 NOLA gold. You've come out of the gates absolutely firing. Uh, first off, win over Toronto. But the last two weeks have been what's been most impressive to me. The runners-up, the Glendale Raptors, you take care of them. And then the defending champs come to town, coming off their first loss in, well, since they lost to the Raptors last year at home, a long, long stretch without tasting defeat. So you knew they're going to be motivated, but you beat the Seattle Seawolves at home as well. What is going on down in New Orleans, and how do you explain the streak you guys are on? Oh, um, uh, it's just been an amazing ride. Uh, yeah, definitely to be 3-0 is, is, is great. Great start for us. Um, but uh, like I was talking to Aaron earlier, it's, it's, it's just been, it's been great, like, just the vibe around the team and all the fans and everything. It's, it's just been very good. Um, we've just been backing each other and, and celebrating like every, not every victory, but just all the success on and off the field. We're backing each other and just keep motivating each other, keep pushing each other. Everybody on, in, in the squad wants that starting spot. And yeah, we just keep fighting, keep pushing and keep trying to be the best. Well, it's certainly working, my friend, because like you said, sitting alone on top of the table. This week, though, uh, undefeated side comes to town. Rooney off the back of two buys in a row. They had a win against San Diego on the road. What are you expecting from the New Yorkers this weekend? Yeah, obviously, um, we don't know too much about them. They did get that win against San Diego, so definitely a team that's going to bring bring a different challenge to us, And but we're looking forward to it. Um, no, none of these matches are easy, so... We're going to have to definitely um, settle down and, and just play our game and, and try to put the pressure on them, and hopefully we can get that victory. Now, personally, for you, JP, tough year last year with injury. For those who aren't aware, talk us through a little bit of what happened last year and why you missed so much time. Yeah, last year was a was quite a challenge for me personally. Um, so, yeah, just before the Seattle game last year, um, on, a, on a Wednesday, I went in for an injection. Um, I had some trouble with my neck and my shoulder. Um, unfortunately, something with the injection kind of not went wrong, but some type of reaction my body had, and I ended up getting either a bacteria or some blood into my brain and ended up with chemical meningitis. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of a scary process. Uh, I remember walking into the hospital and 30 hours later coming by, not remembering anything that happened where I kind of, yeah, just had some struggles in the hospital. They had to tie me to a bed and kind of stuff like that. But uh, no, it came out of it. Um, took a while, but uh, all back healthy now. Finally, I'm feeling good for the first time, feeling healthy, strong, back up 
to to the weight I want to be. And yeah, it was a long road, but it's good to be back. Now we'll have to dig into the archives for the history of rugby players with chemical meningitis and bounce back. <laughs> I got a chance to catch up with you last year in your first game back, and you could see physically you're still quite a ways away. Uh, understandably as well, but mentally it must have been tough coming back for you as well from that. Yeah, no, especially when it when it first happened, I didn't know much about it. I didn't know, especially being in a head injury. You know, obviously wanted to be careful and still a long life ahead of me. So um, it was nervous. I had to meet with a lot of people, um, professionals that had to talk me through it and, and get me to be okay with that. I would be okay to play again and and be mentally okay with putting my body on the line. Well, they were absolutely right because you've come out of the gates this year on fire. You ran for 153 metres on the weekend in the win over Seattle. You've cracked the 100-metre mark two out of three games this year already. How have, you, uh, how have you changed your game around the influx of stars that you've brought in into the roster? And how are you getting so many opportunities ball in hand to make these metres for your side? Uh, obviously, this team has just been been amazing from from the first guy to the last guy that steps onto the field. Um, we've just been playing for each other. Um, obviously, we've we've got a lot of talent in the back line, but we can't do it without our forward pack. Our forward pack has been so amazing, getting us good ball, getting us on the front foot, and making it easy for us to 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 run some plays and get the ball spread it out wide. Um, but yeah, no, all the guys that's that's in the program. Um, it's just so skillful and can read the game and we're working on it every week just to, to get the right vision and, and take the opportunities that we get and luckily find myself in that a couple of times this past couple of games. So, yeah, just want to keep doing that, be at the right place at the right time. Well, it's working. Two tries on the weekend uh, adds to your tally for the year. Now, this one may be a little tough to talk about because last year was tough and it also saw you uh, lose your spot with the USA Eagles. Uh, how how motivated are you to get back into Gary Gold's squad? Yeah, obviously it's it, it's been tough uh, not being um, in that squad or getting a shot. Um, yeah, but that's that's what it's all that's what all this work has been for on all this off season is is to get myself back into just having a crack, just having an opportunity putting myself in the best best physical condition to to just get a shot. So if I get a shot, I'm going to give it my all. Hopefully I get a shot and we'll see where it goes. Well, you come up against Luke Hume at fullback for Rooney this weekend. One out of ten, how do you, uh, how do you rate Luke Hume? Uh, good player. Uh, he's been around a lot, a lot of experience. Um, great guy. Um, good. Um, no, it's really good. I'll, I'll rate him. Uh, nine, sure. Um, oh, one was actually the highest, JP. Oh, yeah, nine. Sorry. Uh, he's, he's, uh, one was the highest, so nine oh, he's trash. Oh, he's <laughs> no, I'm just bit. kidding, buddy. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he, it is a good test for you, though, coming up against this back line of Rooney. Um, you obviously just come through that staunch Seattle defense, so you know, the preparation coming into this game. Have you noticed yeah. anything on film against Rooney that you're going to try out this week that we haven't seen yet? Um, no, we've, we've been looking at some film. We'll, um, we haven't had a time to talk about it yet as a team. We'll probably bring that in tomorrow. But, um, yeah, definitely they do have a dangerous backline, so we're going to have to look at that and see how we can shut that down. But, yeah, with Luke Hume back there, we're going to have to be careful with our kicking too. Um, they got a lot of speed, a lot of skill, so... Yeah, we're just going to have to be smart. And for you guys personally, how are you going to win this game on Saturday? Oh, just like with what we've been doing, we're going to um, stick together. We're going to enjoy every moment. That's a big thing that's been a part of our cult- culture this, this this season. Is we're just having so much fun out there. You can see it in our in our games if you if you go look at the games and the replays and stuff. This, all the boys are always celebrating each other. You celebrate every success that happens on that field. If it's a scrum that we want to scrum or a lineout, whatever it might be, um, the boys are celebrating each other and, and, and just very, very positive attitude around around the guys. Now, this is a serious question for you here, JP. What is going on with Holden Young at sideburns? <laughs> Nobody knows. Um, oh, 
Paul then. What a great guy. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's a that's a lost lost cause over there. Um, he's been doing it for a while now, and uh, that's just how we know him now. That's just that's just him. I know he's in uh, New Orleans, so I think he's really embracing that history down there, and uh, he's got the muttons going pretty strong. But yeah. good player too. It must be uh, must be good to have him in form as well this year. Talk us a little bit uh, about some of the guys that you've brought in. Uh, I talked to Taylor Howden last week in, in Foley and Gale, but how has it been having those experience and blew it on the outside as well around you and helped you to lift your game? Yeah, I know it's 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 very good. Um, all these guys that came in is obviously um, great rugby players, great experience. Everybody, all of them, each see the game a little bit different. So it's it's good to always have their opinion and see what they see and talk about it. And it makes us all better rugby players at the end of the day. And we just we just thrive off of each other. We um we work together. We help each other out. And obviously, when you have the best around you, you want to be the, the best yourself. So we keep pushing each other to be better. I asked uh, Taylor this last week. I'll ask you as well. Come June, Nola Gold, MLR champions. Why? <laughs> that's a good question. No, um, that's definitely the goal to be the champions. And I think if we keep concentrating on what we're doing and follow our process and believe in each other, we can definitely do it. I think we, we're going to do it. JP, appreciate your time, brother. You are a champion. And, uh, your start to the year has been nothing short of spectacular, and I'm sure if your form continues that uh, you will definitely be back in that Eagles setup uh, World Cup year too. So it would be a nice little trip to Japan at the end of the year. Thank you so much for joining the show, and uh, I'll actually uh, catch up with you on Saturday, mate. We'll be calling the Rooney game down there, so it'll be good to see you again. Maybe I'll give you a couple of pointers on the kicking game. Oh, perfect. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thanks for your time. Thanks, JP. Appreciate it. There is JP Eloff, fullback for Nola Gold, our player of the week for week three. Well, there he was, Pete. JP Eloff, what a what an absolute gentleman, absolute champion of a guy. Uh, you couldn't really ask for much more from a player. If, you know, Ryan Fitzgerald down there and Nate Osborne, what a, what a great uh, role model to have in your club. And just a good guy to see bounce back to. What a run of injuries he's had over the last few years. Yeah, I mean, he's such a talented player. I mean, you have to... Um, think that Gary Gold is is watching his performances closely, um, as is Mike Friday. I mean, this guy has a talent to be able to do a whole bunch of different things um, and uh, excited to see him get a full season in. And I think fullback is his position. I know they kind of moved him around a bit of 10 and a bit of 12, but I think with the players they have, 15 is his best position. Um, and, you know, the only thing he probably, he's a little undersized. That's the only thing that and with the, with the modern kicking game at the international level, um, he's really got to demonstrate he can take the ball in the air. Um, but other than that, he has everything that you would want from a world-class fullback. Well, you talked about Gary Gold. We'll talk a little ARC action now. And uh, not a great weekend for Gary Gold and the side down there in Argentina. As Argentina 15 ran riot over the Eagles. And it's the first time in a long time that they've been dusted up that badly, Pete. Yeah, and, um, you know, a bit of a reality check. So a couple of things I think that we should probably reflect on. First of all, um, this Argentina 15, for the first few years of the ARC, has really been sort of a um, minor team for Argentina, like where it hasn't had a lot of resources, hasn't really been part of their pathway. It's just been a sort of place where players can come if they can't make the Jaguars. And this year they actually put some investment in brought the teams together and it just shows you the depth that Argentina has. Um, and, you know, so they're a different team than the one that we've faced probably over the last two years. Um, and, you know, obviously the red card from Paula CK, uh, you know, had an impact, but by that point we were already 21, nothing down. So we were already on the back foot and, you know, it'll be, it, it'll be interesting to see how this team bounces back. Um, you know, I think they lose a number of their pros. I think AJ McGinty goes back to Europe. Um, and there's probably a couple of others that we don't get for the whole schedule. But, it'll, you know, this will be one of these games where, you know, it'll be a question of how much learning there is that will be the most important measure, not necessarily the outcome of the game. Yeah, I, I almost feel as though there was a false sense of bravado going into this. I mean, we caught Argentina last year, first game 
of the ARC, beat them out there in California. You had to you had to think that they're not going to really take that, you know. Well, they're not going to go away and be like, oh, you know, we just got beat by uh, beat by the Eagles. We'll just take that for the next ten years. They're going to go away and they're going to reinvigorate that program and come back, especially at home, and come out of the gates firing. So I'm not that surprised. We didn't play well. We've got a lot better rugby in that side and that squad, and I'm pretty sure everyone agrees with that. And I'm, I know Gary Gold would would think that for sure. So we didn't have our best day out, but they're a quality side. I mean, people come out saying, "Well, it's the third Argentina side," and you know, I, just, I just don't, I don't see that. I mean, some of those well, let's, players. Let's well, you know, it you know, but even as the third Argentina side, let's remember that Argentina is a team that makes the playoffs at the World Cup. I mean, this is a tier one country that plays in, you know, the rugby championship. Like people yeah. forget that Argentina like regularly beats other tier one. Like, like I think people see Argentina and see us on the same level. This is the same sort of team that we play when we play tier one sides in the summer, when there's a British Lions store. Yeah, I, right? I agree. I'm with you 100%. Point, right? I, so, I'm totally against everyone saying this is a third 15. It's not a third 15. It would be like saying, you know, and you look at some of the ages on those players from Argentina, young guys, they're getting guys experience. You'd be like saying, let's go play the under 20, the U20 New Zealand side. We would probably get beaten by them right now. And Argentina are blooding along those players who physically may not be ready for super rugby uh, with the Jaguares and just not quite ready for the Pumas. But they're going to be Pumas. They're going to be Pumas in the next two to three years. Some probably sooner. Some already have been. Um, I think. I think one of the things about this game that I thought was really telling is I think that um, it's when you play tier one sides that you really expose players that maybe don't quite have the skill sets to compete. And I think that um, Hanko Hamasays is a wonderful, wonderful athlete and rugby player, but he's not really a um, a pure seven. Right. And Quill's a great rugby player, but I I think he's probably still a six. And I think this is a game where we missed someone like Tony Lamborn. Right. And this is a game where um, we missed Samu Manoa. Like, this is the game where we needed our best 15. And without that best 15, playing against what is designated the Argentinian second side. So, what we say, you know, people might call it a third because they're looking at it, but it's actually the Argentinian second side. You know, we need our best players to play against the second team of a tier tier one. And when we don't, we struggle. And that's what I think we learned in the game. But it'll be a good opportunity for a lot of those guys to bounce back too. Um, yeah, absolutely. They go against Brazil, who I've been really impressed with, Pete. I don't know if you've seen any of the Brazilian games. I watched some of the, the clips that were put up, especially the set piece. Uh, they're, they're improving so quickly down there. and. Uh, Again, not a game. This is a game we should win and win well, and we should do that for for a long time over Brazil. It takes something pretty drastic for that form guide to switch around. But I don't think you're going to see the days of just rolling over Brazil. Yeah, I mean, this is all part of the development of South American rugby that World Rugby is making the investment in, and it's great. I mean, we we want more teams to play us that can push us to be better. And I'm excited. Um, you know, I have to say that, you know, the, the, the disappointing game or the disappointing team from a Major League Rugby perspective was Canada this past weekend. What's your thoughts on the Canadian game? Ooh. I don't know. I mean, I mean we, Uruguay, we, yeah, I mean, yeah. how, long, how long were Uruguay down 14 players? They lost a radar. Most of the game. <laughs> like, I think it was, the, it was like the 15th minute or something. Yeah, and, it was early. And, and and for them not to be able to beat Uruguay when they're down to 14 players, I think, is is a concern. And I think what's going to happen is that there's a number of Major League Rugby players that are playing for the Arrows, but also around the um, the league. You know, I wonder whether, you know, we were just talking about NOLA, but Hubert Biden's, um, you know, from uh, from NOLA going down could help them in the scrum. I mean, I think there's there's just some things. This is a, This is a team preparing for the World Cup. And they're playing another World Cup qualifier and Uruguay are a good side, but they shouldn't be so much better than Canada that when they play with 14, they can't win. So obviously our 
Major League Rugby neighbours from the north are probably very disappointed with that. Well, I'm probably more disappointed with the Brazil loss and the Uruguay one. Um, like you said, Uruguay were much. Uh, well, they they beat them in the qualifiers, didn't they? So they're they're they qualified through the Americas. Uh, yeah. Yep. So well, you know, it'll be interesting to see how the ARC plays out, and it'll be interesting to see um, as teams from Major League Rugby um, regain and then potentially lose. Um, players. I mean, I you know I talked to Rob Hoadley and he said, "Hey, you know, um, you need three scrum halves, and um, Nick and um, Nick Boyer and Nate Osborne could be two of the three. He's like, "That's just what it is, right?" And uh, um, and so you know, it'll be interesting to see how as the ARC goes through um, how those games continue to impact um, MLR squads. Well, Will, and we won't get a look at the rosters just yet. So this will make our predictions for the week a little hairy as these sides uh, do get influxes and then lose players to ARC commitments, especially with the, the South American influence this year with Uruguay, so many Uruguay players uh, coming up into the MLR. But let's kick things off, Pete. It will start on Saturday. It's New York. New Orleans. I'm actually going to go do this game. It'll be down there at Nola Gold Stadium. And it's the Battle of the Unbeatens. And, you know, this game is, uh, well, this is, has to be the game of the round, really, because it's the two unbeaten sides. The hype from New York taking on the substance of New Orleans. What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I mean, I think this is going to be a great game. I, um, You know, I think the, uh, the, the questions are really going to be for me, around the set piece in this game and who can get the edge in the set piece. Um, I think that New York's going to be a little rusty with the time off that they've had. And so um, I think that edge is going to come to Nola Gold. They're going to be confident. They're going to be battle-hardened. And so I think I'm going to go Nola Gold, but I think it's going to be a good game. I think it's going to be close. So Nola Gold, 31, New York, 28. 31-28, that's a tight one. That actually sounds like a really sexy pick, Pete. <laughs> well, I'm doing it for your benefit because if that's the game, you're going to be calling a great one down there. It is. It is. And listen, you got to go. You got to go with the hot hand, right? You, two weeks off, but then I've got Mike Tolkien. I've got Mike Petrie. Oh, it's all about loyalty. Yeah, Part of loyalty. Because yeah, whatever you call now, you're going to start getting text messages. Yeah, it is. It's it's it gets rampant, you know. And I've got that uh, that Nyack blood that runs through my veins, and you know, I've got so many moments on and off the field with Tolks. Some good for the podcast, some not so good. And the same with Peaches, and you know him from his Penn State. Oh, this! But I've got to beat you. Got to beat you in tipping. So I've got to go New Orleans as well. Um, I think I think it's going to open up though. Both these sides like to attack. You got Marsh, Foden, Hume. You know that's a great little uh, trio there. Patriot scrum half giving good service. I will go thirty-eight, thirty-six in a nail biter. Well, New Orleans. Yeah, we both called nail. We both called nail biters. I thought you were going to go against me after all of your talk, but you know, talks and. Uh... And 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 Mike, feel free to uh, um, to text Dan and, and complain to him. Although, <coughs> honestly, his picks haven't been great this year, so you probably want it that way. Let's get on to the next game, which is the game that I'm calling, which is the Utah Warriors at San Diego, um, 5 p.m. Eastern. I think that's a game that you can get on ESPN+. Plus. Dan, what's your thoughts on this game? Ooh, I, I really uh, don't know what to think of Utah's first up win. They come out and absolutely spanked uh, a pretty local free jack side in a scrimmage on the weekend, but you can't read too much into that. Um, just with Austin going 0-3, Utah playing them down there. San Diego, 2-1, and one, three pretty tough games. Oh, I'd love to, I'd love to take a look at the roster, Pete. Can I get back to you on this? No, I got I got to do it now. I got to okay, do it right now. now. I will go uh, San Diego to beat Utah, and uh, I will say it's going to be twenty seven twenty two. 
Yeah, I mean, I think I'm with you here. I, I'm, 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 I like what's coming in, in what's happening in San Diego. I think, I think they're building. They're showing a lot of resilience. I, I like Joe Peterson. Um, I love how Paddy Ryan plays. Um, I think they've got some, you know, challenges in being really to be able to leverage their back row. I, I, Devin Short's such a good athlete, and we're not seeing him. And we all know about what they can do in the back line. So, I'm with you in San Diego. But I actually think, uh, you know. Um, this this is this isn't this is a game that is not going to be close this weekend. So um, I actually think this is going to be something out like San Diego thirty, Utah Warriors twenty. Ooh, that's pretty good. Pretty good. All right, next one up is the Raptors, who enjoyed the week off. They travel down uh, both sides winless. An zero and two Raptors taking on an zero and three. Austin Elite down there, 7 p.m. on Saturday night, I believe. Or is that Sunday night? Sunday night. Sorry. And uh, that one is on CBS Sports. Pete, what do you think of this one? Well, this is a game that I think will be called with the rosters, right? So um, Sean Davies and Will McGee off with the U.S. and the ARC, but it's a weekend off. And so the question is, are they going to be available for Glendale? Um, hopefully they'll come back to play. I think if, if those, I mean, are we able to hedge Dan? Can I say what if, if it's Davies and McGee, I go for Glendale. And if it's not, I go for Austin. No, can't do that. Then, you know, I, I I think, I think I'm going to go with, oh man, that's, that's tough because, you know, one of the things that I'm not sure we talked about with too much about Austin, but you know, we think there's extra players coming in. Um, I think the more time that they spend together, they're going to get embedded a little bit more. So now it's really about, um, whether Davies and McGee are going to get released by the U.S. and I think Gary Gold's going to going to do that. I think he, you know, he's he's going to want to um, stay in the you know with good relationships with Major League Rugby coaches. So um, with Davies and McGee, and this still being my call, um, I think this is going to be a Glendale game. I don't think it's going to be a wide open game. I think um, Glendale are going to have to grind this grind this out, and I think they're going to win twenty two ten. Ooh, tight one down there. We're going to be pretty boring this week, Pete. I'm going to go the Raptors as well. Uh, sorry, Austin. <coughs> the misery continues down there in Austin this week. Uh, the Raptors, I want to – I think there's too many quality players there, and I think Dave Williams probably cracks the whip on them. I don't I don't see the Raptors going 0-3. Just can't see it. They're going to get it done. I think uh, – Oh, let's see. With Austin's inability to score points, I think the Raptors have points in them. I think it'll be a bit more open. I'll go 32-17. There we go. And then the last game of the week, well, the last game of the weekend is, uh, you know, there's a whole series of Seattle games um, that are on Sunday night. And this one is um, Toronto at Seattle. But actually, you know, um, already sold out. Uh, And of course, being so close to the Canadian border, I bet we'll see a lot of um, Canadian fans coming across to see the one Canadian team in Major League Rugby. That game is at 8 p.m. Eastern and is on the Roots Network locally and I think on ESPN+. Plus. Um, yep. And Dan? Yeah, I'll be uh, catching the uh, the first flight out of New Orleans to do this game as well. So this will be my first look at the Arrows up close and personal. And unfortunately for them, they're running into a Seawolf side that's just had two losses, but they're back in the confines of Starfire Stadium, sold out yet again. Incredible, especially after snow apocalypse and snow Mageddon and all the other things you can think of with snow in it. Uh, they got belted this week. I'll go Seattle at home. Um, just didn't see enough from Toronto against Austin to really get me excited about the Arrows until they're back to full strength from the ARC. So I will go Seattle, and it'll be uh, 38-16. So this is the um, the challenge here, is can Seattle do something with their back row um, that allows them to slow down the attack of Toronto? That's going to be the key to this game, I think. Um, Seattle has struggled a little bit in their lineouts. Um, as well, um, and, and Toronto have 
have struggled in in um, in developing a kicking game, which I think is dangerous against the Seattle back three, especially Matt Turner, who's great in the open field. So, yeah, this is a really a, a really big question. I think this is going to be a close game. Um, I actually think it's going to be a relatively high scoring game. I don't know that the Seawall will be at its best yet until Shermer is able to come back. But you're right. I mean, a lot of the Toronto is going to be about um, who they can get from the ARC to play. So I think that we, we might be aligned on all, this is very boring podcasting, but we might be aligned on all these games. I think I'm going to go with Seattle. Um, and I think I'm going to go with Seattle 32, 26. 32. Well, that's tight. You think that seawall is going to give up 26 points? Okay. I, I, I don't think the seawalls, the seawall without some of their back row fetches, what they have is, you know, they've got um, Hatting and they've got Tucker and they've got um, Duchelle, and they're all good ball runners. And they've lost any of their guys that really put the work in at the breakdown in the back row. And, the, and I think that was the struggle. I mean, they gave up 41 points against Nola, right? Um, away from home, admittedly. Um, and so it will be a little bit different, but I think it's going to be hard for them until they can slow that ball down. Uh, you're, you're pretty smart, Pete. You ever thought about coaching? <laughs> uh, a couple of times. I coached a few players every now and then, but I didn't get much good feedback, so... <laughs> uh, it's usually the way it goes. I probably was the same to some of my old coaches. Apologies to all of you. I love you all. But uh, there we go. We'll, we've got to have some difference. So we'll go my flight from Denver to New Orleans. I'll say I get upgraded. And you'll say I won't. So that'll be our decider. So <laughs> hold it. Hold it. We'll... What, what airline are you on? I'm not telling you. Well, I mean, I mean, that's like not Okay. Fine. That's too much information, you know. I can't, I can't have the public out there meddling with my affairs. You don't want people waiting for you at the gate. Yeah. Of New Orleans. All right, yep. we'll, go on, we'll go on the upgrade. If um, so, you know, Aaron Castro behind the virtual glass. We'll, uh, um, we'll when we do our travel tip, we'll talk about upgrading, and we'll um, uh, we'll uh, um, we'll have to see how it goes. And uh, you know, I've got some status on some airlines, Dan. So maybe I'll give them a call. Make sure you don't get upgraded or I'll, I'll buy screen, all I'll of the screenshot for everyone else. You will not. I'll screenshot it. So there's no, and I'll send it to Aaron. So there's no debate. All right. Pete, I'm glad you're back. I know you're a little under the weather. So I appreciate you, uh, you joining us to get this podcast done and uh, look forward to tuning in to your game on, I'll rush back to the hotel Saturday night and I'll catch the San Diego, Utah game. Who are you calling that one with? Um, I'm calling that one with, uh, a guy that is new to, um, to, uh, um, rugby commentating. So, uh, I think it is, uh, um, it'll be interesting. So it's a guy who's, a um, a, a pro play by play guy called Steve Quest. So looking ah. forward to onboarding Steve to rugby and introducing him to the good stuff that's going on with the Legion. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Make sure you uh, do the right thing by Mr. Quest and steer him in the right direction. All right, I'll do that. Absolutely. All right, Pete, look forward to it. Big thank you to you, our producer, Aaron Castro, as always, the man behind the glass who pulls all the strings for us, and myself, Dan Powell. We will catch you guys next week for another episode of the MLR Kickoff. <laughs>